Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Brought to you by Two Little Moons. Tonight, we'll read the second half of The Story of the Herons from a collection titled Moonshine and Clover, written by Lawrence Hausman and published in 1922. The first half aired last week. In the previous episode, a princess was cursed to fall in love at first sight to whatever creature she saw. She was kept safely away, blind to the world, except for occasional walks in the forest with a blindfold on. A wicked fairy takes her blindfold off, and she falls in love with a heron that happens to be fishing in front of her. The loving parents of the princess choose to allow the princess to be turned into a heron to be with her mate. The good fairy explains that if the heron falls in love with her on a level deeper than a heron typically could, like on a human level, they could both be transformed into humans instead of birds. Soon after, it is learned that the heron princess has laid two eggs in her nest. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Take a few deep breaths. 
Among the reeds, the heron said in bird language to his wife, Go and stretch your wings for a little while over the water. It is weary work to wait here so long in the reeds. The heron princess looked at him with her bird's eyes, and all the human love in her heart strove like a fountain that could not get free to make itself known through them. Also, her tongue was full of the longing to utter sweet words, but she kept them back, knowing they were beyond the heron's power to understand. So she answered merely in heron's language, Come with me, and I will go. They rose, wing beating beside wing, and the reflection of their gray breasts slid out under them over the face of the water. Higher they went and higher, passing over the treetops and keeping time together as they flew. All at once the wings of the gray heron flagged, then took a deep beat He cried to the heron princess, Turn and come home. Yonder there is danger flying to meet us. Before them hung a brown blot in the air that winged and grew large. The two herons turned and flew back. Rise, cried the gray heron. We must rise and the princess knew what was behind and struggled with the whole strength of her wings for escape. The gray heron was bearing ahead on stronger wing. With me, with me, he cried. If it gets above us, one of us is gone. But the falcon had fixed his eye on the princess for his quarry, and flew she fast, or flew she slow, there was little chance for her now. Up and up she strained, but still she was behind her mate, and still the falcon gained. The heron swung back to her side, She saw the anguish and fear of his downward glance as his head ranged past hers. By her, the falcon went, towering for the final swoop. The princess cried in Heron's language, Farewell, dear mate, and farewell, two little moons among the reeds. But the gray heron only kept closer to her side. Overhead, the falcon closed in its wings and fell like a dead weight out of the clouds. Drop, cried the gray heron to his mate. 
At his word, she dropped. But he stayed, stretching up his wings and passing between the descending falcon and its prey, caught in his own body the death blow from its beak. Drops of his blood fell upon the heron princess. He, stricken in body, she in soul, together they fell down to the margin of the pool. The falcon still clung, fleshing its beak in the neck of its prey. The heron princess threw back her head and, darting furiously, struck her own sharp bill deep into the falcon's breast. The bird of prey threw out its wings with a hoarse cry and fell back dead with a little tuft of the gray heron's feathers still upon its beak. The heron princess crouched down and covered with her wings the dying form of her mate. In her sorrow, she spoke to him in her own tongue, forgetting her bird's language. The gray heron lifted his head and, gazing tenderly, answered her with a human voice. Dear wife, he said, At last I have the happiness so long denied to me of giving utterance in the speech that is your own to the love that you have put into my heart. Often I have heard you speak and have not understood. Now something has touched my heart and changed it so that I can both speak and understand. Oh, beloved, she laid her head down by his. The ends of the world belong to us now. Lie down and die gently by my side, and I will die with you, breaking my heart with happiness. No, said the gray heron, do not die yet. Remember the two little moons that lie in the hollow among the reeds. Then he laid his head down by hers, being too weak to say more. They folded their wings over each other and closed their eyes, nor did they know that the fairy was standing by them till she stroked them both softly with her wand, saying to each of them the same words, Human heart and human form come out of the gray heron, 
And out of the gray heron skins came two human forms. The one was the princess, restored again to her own shape. But the other was a beautiful youth with a bird-like look about the eyes and long, slender limbs. The princess, as she gazed on him, found hardly any change, for love remained the same, binding him close to her heart, and, gray heron or beautiful youth, he was all one to her now. Then came the queen, weeping for joy and embracing them both, and after them, the fairy. Oh, how good an ending, she cried. Let it never be remembered or mentioned between us more. And she began to lead the way back to the palace. But the youth, to whom the fairy gave the name of Prince Heron, turned and took up the two heron skins, which he and his wife had let fall, and followed, carrying them upon his arm. And as they came past the bed of reeds, the princess went aside, and, stooping down in a certain place, drew out from thence carrying something she softly wrapped in the folds of her gown. With what rejoicing the princess and her husband were welcomed by the king and the court needs not to be told. For a whole month, the festivities continued, and whenever she showed herself, there was the princess sitting with two eggs in her lap and her hands over them to keep them warm. The king was impatient. Why cannot you send them down to the poultry yard to be hatched? He said. But the princess replied, smiling, My moons are my own, and I will keep them to myself. Do you hear? She said one day, at last, and everybody who listened could hear something going tap-tap inside the shells. Presently, the eggs cracked, and out of each, at the same moment, came a little gray heron. When she saw that they were herons, the queen wrung her hands. Oh, fairy, she cried, what a disappointment is this. I had hoped two beautiful babies would come out of those shells. But the fairy said, it is no matter. Half of their hearts are human already. Birds' hearts do not beat so. If you wish it, 
I can change them. So she stroked them softly with her wand, saying to each, Human heart and human form come out of the gray heron. Yet she had to stroke them three times before they would turn, and she said to the princess, My dear, you were too satisfied with your lot when you laid your moon children. I doubt if more than a quarter of them is human. I was very satisfied, said the princess, and she laughed across to her husband. At last, however, on the third stroke of the wand, the heron's skins dropped off, and they changed into a pair of very small babies, a boy and a girl. But the difference between them and other children was that instead of hair, their heads were covered with a fluff of downy gray feathers. Also, they had round, bird-like eyes and were able to sleep standing. Now, after this, the happiness of the princess was great, but the fairy said to her, Do not let your husband see the heron skins again for some while, lest with the memory a longing for his old life should return to him and take him away from you. Only by exchange with another can he ever get back his human form again, if he surrenders it of his own will. And who is there so poor that he would willingly give up this human form to become a bird? So the princess took the four coats of feathers, her own and her husband's and her two children's, and hid them away in a closet of which she alone kept the key. It was a little gold key, and to make it safe, she hung it about her neck and wore it night and day. The prince said to her, What is that little key that you wear always hung round your neck? She answered him, It is the key to your happiness and mine. Do not ask more than that. At that, there was a look in his face that made her say, You are happy, are you not? He kissed her, saying, Happy indeed. Have I not you to make me so? Yet though, indeed, he told no untruth and was happy whenever she was with him, there were times when a restlessness and a longing for wings took hold of him, 
for, as yet, the life of a man was new and half strange to him, and a taint of his old life still mixed itself with his blood. But to her, he was ashamed to say what might seem a complaint against his great fortune. So, when she said happiness, he thought, Is it just the turning of that key that I want before my happiness can be perfect? Therefore, one night when the early season of spring made his longing strong in him, he took the key from the princess while she slept and opened the little closet in which hung the four feather coats. And when he saw his own, all at once he remembered the great pools of water and how they lay in the shine and shadow of the moonlight while the fish rose in rings upon their surface. And at that, so great a longing came into him to revisit his old haunts that he reached out his hand and took down the heron skin from its nail and put it over himself, so that immediately his old life took hold of him and he flew out of the window in the form of a gray heron. In the morning, the princess found the key gone from her neck and her husband's place empty. She went in haste to the closet, and there stood the door wide with the key in it, and only three heron skins hanging where four had used to be. Then she came crying to the family fairy, My husband has taken his heron skin and is gone. Tell me what I can do. The fairy pitied her with all her heart, but could do nothing. Only by exchange, said she, can he get back his human shape. And who is there so poor that he would willingly lose his own form to become a bird? Only your children who are but half-human, can put their heron skins on and off as they like and when they like. The princess went to look for her husband down by the pools in the wood. But now his shame and sorrow at having deceived her were so great that as soon as he heard her voice, he hid himself among the reeds. For he knew now that, having put on his hair and skin again, he could not take it off unless someone gave him a human form in exchange.
At last, however, so pitiful was the cry of the princess for him that he could bear to hear it no more. But, rising up from the reeds, came trailing to her sadly over the water. Ah, dear love, she said when he was come to her, if I had not distrusted you, you would not have deceived me. Thus, for my fault, we are punished. So, she sorrowed, and he answered her, Nay, dear love, for if I had not deceived you, you would not have distrusted me. I thought I was not happy, yet I feared to tell it you. Thus, they sorrowed together, both laying on themselves the blame and the burden. Then she said to him, Be here for me tonight, for now I must go, but then I shall return. She went back to the palace and told her mother of all that had happened. And now, she said, you who know where my happiness lies will not forbid me from following it, for my heart is again with the gray heron. So that night, the princess went and kissed her children as they slept standing up in their beds with their feathered heads to one side. And then she took down her skin of feathers and put it on and became changed once more into a gray heron. And again she went up to the two in their cots and kissed their birdish heads, saying, They who can change at will, being but half human, they will come and visit us in the great pool by the wood and bring back word of us here. In the morning, the princess was gone, and the two children, when they woke, looked at each other and said, Did we dream last night? They both answered each other, Yes, first we dreamed that our mother came and kissed us, and we liked that. Then we dreamed that a gray heron came and kissed us, and we liked that better still. They waved their arms up and down. Why have we not wings? They kept asking. All day long they did this, playing that they were birds. If a window were opened, it was with the greatest difficulty that they were kept from trying to fly through. In the court, they were known as the bird brains. Nothing could they be taught at all. When they were rebuked, they would stand on one leg and sigh with their heads on one side. But no one ever saw tears come out 
of their birdish eyes. Now, at night, they would dream that two gray herons came and stood by their bedsides, kissing them. And where in the world, they said when they woke, are our wings? One day, wandering about in the palace, they came upon the closet in which hung the two little feather coats. Oh, they cried, and opened hard, bright eyes at each other, nodding, for now they knew what they would do. If we told, they would be taken from us, they said, and they waited till it was night. Then they crept back and took the two little coats from their pegs and, putting them on, were turned into two young herons. Through the window they flew, away down to the great fish pond in the wood. Their father and mother saw them coming and clapped their wings for joy. See, they said, our children come to visit us, and our hearts are left to us to love with. What further happiness can we want? But when they were not looking at each other, they sighed. All night long, the two young herons stayed with their parents. They bathed and fished and flew till they were weary. Then the princess showed them the nest among the reeds and told them all the story of their lives. But it is much nicer to be herons than to be real people, said the young ones, sadly, and became sorrowful when dawn drew on and their mother told them to go back to the palace and hang up the feather coats again and be as they had been the day before. Long, long the day now seemed to them. They hardly waited till it was night before they took down their feather skins and, putting them on, flew out and away to the fish pond in the wood. So every night they went when all in the palace were asleep and in the morning came back before anyone was astir and were found by their nurses lying demurely between the sheets, just as they had been left the night before. One day, the queen, when she went to see her daughter, said to her, My child, your two children are growing less like human beings and more like birds every day. Nothing will they learn or do but stand all day, 
flapping their arms up and down and saying, Where are our wings? Where are our wings? The idea of one of them ever coming to the throne makes your father's hair stand on end under his crown. One day, the two children said to each other, Our father and mother are sad because they want to be real persons again instead of having wings and catching fish the way we like to do. Let us give up being real persons, which is all so much trouble and such a want of exercise, and make them exchange with us. But when the two young herons went down to the pond and proposed it to them, their parents said, You are young. You do not know what you would be giving up. Nor would they consent to it at all. Now, one morning it happened that the so-called bird brains were so late in returning to the palace that the queen, coming into their chamber, found the two beds empty. And just as she had turned away to search for them elsewhere, she heard a noise of wings and saw the two young herons come flying in through the window. Then she saw them take off their feather skins and hang them up in the closet, and after that, go and lie down in their beds so as to look as if they had been there all night. The queen clasped her hands together at the sight, but she crept away softly so that they did not know they had been found out. But as soon as they were out of their beds and at play in another part of the palace, the queen went to the closet and, setting fire to the two heron skins where they hung, burnt them till not a feather of them was left and only a heap of gray ashes remained to tell what had become of them. At night, when the feather heads went to the closet and found their skins gone and saw what had become of them, their grief knew no bounds. Tears rained out of their eyes as they beheld themselves deprived of their bird bodies and made into real persons for good and all. We won't be real persons, they cried. But for all their crying, they knew no way out of it. That night, for the first time since they had found their way to the closet, they stayed where their nurses had put them and did not even stand up in their beds to go to sleep. There they lay with big, bird-like eyes all languid with grief and hollow gray cheeks. Presently, their father and mother came seeking for them 
wondering why they had not come out to the fish pond as they were wont. Where are you, my children? cried the heron princess, putting her head in through the window. Here we are, they cried weakly. Our wicked grandma has burnt our feather skins and made us into real persons forever and ever. Amen. But we would die rather. The parent herons, when they heard that, flew in through the window and bent down over the little one's beds. The two children reached up their arms. Give us your feathers, they cried. But still, the parent birds hesitated, nor knew what to do. Bend down and let me whisper something, said the boy to his father. And bend down and whisper, cried the girl to her mother. And father and mother bent down over the faces of their children. Then these, both together, caught hold of them and crying, Human heart and human form exchange with the gray heron, pulled off their parents' feather skins and put them upon themselves. And there once more stood Prince Heron and the princess in human shape, while the two children had turned into herons in their place. The young herons laughed and shouted and clapped their wings for joy. Are you not happy now? they cried. And when their parents saw the joy, not only in their children's eyes, but in each other's, and felt their hearts growing glad in the bodies they had regained, then they owned that the feather heads had been wise in their generation and done well according to their lights. So it came about that the prince and the princess lived happily ever after, and the two young herons lived happily also, and were the best-hearted birds the world ever saw. In course of time, the prince and princess had other children, who pleased the old king far better than the first had done. But the parents loved none better than the two who lived as herons by the great fish pond in the wood. Nor could there be greater love than was found between these and their younger brothers and sisters whose nature it was to be real persons.